Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. I am your host, Doris Hansen, and we do have an interesting and a controversial discussion planned for tonight, and we do hope that perhaps you can even take some notes and write down while we're talking, and then when we uh, open up the telephone lines, you can call in with your questions or your comments regarding our discussion. But first, there were some comments from last week's show that we did about celestial marriage and uh, plural marriage that I really must address before we get started on tonight's discussion. And as usual, all of our comments came from Mormons, not from polygamists. You know, it's amazing that our Mormon viewers can't realize that Mormons and polygamists share almost all the same doctrine. We were, again, soundly rebuked, insisting that section 132 is celestial marriage, that it's not about polygamy. But you need to know, all of those who objected to that need to know that we use the term celestial marriage exactly the way Joseph Smith taught it. And plural marriage is the original definition of celestial marriage. Now the polygamists know that celestial marriage and plural marriage is the same thing. But it has been redefined by those who have rewritten and do rewrite Mormon history. We also received comments that the new and everlasting covenant is the entire Mormon gospel. It's not just marriage. In the early Mormon days and with the contemporary polygamists, the new and the everlasting covenant is polygamy. And those who deny that it is, is merely revealing their own ignorance of Mormon history. Mormon foundation is based on Joseph Smith, and Brigham Young and all the early Mormon prophets is also the foundation of Mormon doctrine. To deny the truth of what they said is denying your own religion. Why would you do that? I have a quote from Brigham Young that I would like to address with this, and he said, and this is in the dedication of the St. George Temple, he said, quote, Hear ye, elders of Israel, and mark it down in your logbook. The fullness of the gospel is the united order and plural marriage. And I fear that when I'm gone, this people will give up those two principles which we prize so highly. The fullness of the gospel is polygamy. It's plural marriage, folks. Now, William Clayton said, quote, From him, Joseph Smith, I learned that the doctrine, and that's singular, of plural and celestial marriage is the most holy and important doctrine, and that's singular, ever revealed to man on earth, and without obedience to that principle, singular, no man can ever attain to the fullness of exaltation in celestial glory. Notice that William Clayton used the singular terminology when he explained that uh, doctrine. And interchangeable words for plural marriage in the early Mormon church were the plural marriage, celestial marriage, um, patriarchal marriage, and the principle. That's the terms they used for the same thing in the early Mormon church, which was, of course, plural marriage. 
And in the Journal of Discourses, volume 25, it says, where you have the eternity of marriage, you are bound to have plural marriage. Bound to. And it is one of the marks of the Church of Jesus Christ in his sealing ordinance. Notice again, it's one of the marks. It is singular. So please don't, and don't give us the rhetoric that the Journal of Discourses are invalid or not canonized because Brigham Young was a prophet of the Mormon church, and he himself, speaking as a prophet, said that every sermon that he ever gave was as good as scripture. And if he's your prophet, you are supposed to accept what he said. Today's polygamists now, they know that the new and everlasting covenant is and was polygamy. And finally, at the end of the show last week, we answered an off-the-air question where a woman, where someone had asked if a woman could be married more than once in the Mormon temple. Well, it was the end of the show, and we didn't have time to give a detailed answer, so we simply said, no, she can't, assuming that the questioner meant eternal sealing, eternal marriage. Well, that answer precipitated a lot of responses. Now, the context of last week's show with Jim Catlin was sealing marriages into eternity. So that's the way we answered the question. Now, it used to be that a woman could not be sealed for eternity twice or more in the Mormon temple, each time to a, a different man without a temple divorce. One viewer emailed me saying that she knew of several instances where women were sealed more than once and without a temple divorce or an annulment. Others reminded us that a woman can be married more than once in the temple. She just cannot be sealed into eternity more than once. And that's the way we meant our answer to be. I had a phone call from another woman who told me that she knew of a cousin who had been married and sealed for eternity to more than one man. And the authorities told her, well, God will work it out in the end. So you ask one question, you get 14 answers. And we're sorry for any confusion that this may have caused at the end of the show. And obviously it did because I got a lot of response about it. But once again, we do need to be biblically precise. And, the, and that is what the whole entire show was about last week. There are no eternal marriages. There are no celestial marriages. There is no polygamy in heaven. There is no marriage relationships in heaven. There are no families are forever in the resurrection. And if you don't believe this, you need to take it up with God. The eternal marriage idea contradicts what Jesus taught. And that's what we covered last week. We either trust Jesus or we don't. There's no middle ground here. And those who don't trust him completely will perish. And don't sit on the fence because remember, Satan owns the fence. I was born and I was raised in the Kingston polygamy group, which uh, only one is, is only one of many polygamy groups in this culture, and each of them claims to be the only true religion on the planet. I was taught that while I was growing up, and they still teach it. The Kingston group was started by Eldon Kingston in 1935, and each leader after him has been a Kingston. Now, growing up in that polygamy group, we were taught that Jesus Christ was married, that he was a polygamist, and that he had a family. In fact, we were taught that Jesus was crucified because of his polygamy and that the Kingston's family's bloodline can be traced back to Jesus Christ. That was how we knew that the Kingston's got to be the leader of our group, and that's how we knew that the Kingston polygamy group was the only true church on the planet. 
But this teaching about Jesus being a polygamist did not originate with the Kingston polygamists. Early Mormon polygamists introduced that idea into the Mormon faith. I was taught that Jesus' polygamy was secret because if people found out about it, they'd persecute him and in the end they claim that that is what happened. But the Bible tells us that Jesus' life had no secrets, that he taught nothing in secret. And in fact, in John chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus said, I have spoken openly to the world. Jesus replied, I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Tonight, we are going to discuss the early Mormon teachings that Jesus was a polygamist, and we're going to compare it with what the Bible has to say about Jesus' purpose for coming here. To take part in our discussion is our guest, Lewis Wilkins. He's a First Baptist, with the First Baptist Church in Provo, Utah, and he was very briefly on our show a couple of months ago to uh, explain the ministry that he has in the church down there. So we'd like to introduce him and welcome him as our guest to the show tonight. Thank you, Lewis, for coming. Well, thank you for having me. It's going to be it. good to have yeah. this discussion, I yes, think. Yes, it will be. It'll be very good. <laughs> now, you were here a couple of months ago and explained your right. support group down yeah, in yeah. the in Utah County. Would you like to tell our viewers about it and where yeah, they we, can... Uh, group meets once a month to discuss biblical Christianity versus Mormonism. Uh, we show DVDs, various DVDs, some from the source flicks we use and some of yours we use. And... Uh, we had uh, we have guest speakers on. We had uh, Earl Eckerskine. Uh, Erskine? Uh, Erskine? Eckerskine. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he's uh, Bishop Earl. They call him on the X Files there. Uh -huh. And we also also had Carl Moore with his uh, ring dance. And oh that yeah. Was, that, we had a lot of people there. They liked that pretty well. And uh, we had Sandra Tanner. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was a few years back. Uh, don't try to make a point. Uh, win an argument. To provide answers with the truth, not subjective feelings. Mm -hmm. We defend the anti-Christian attacks of Mormonism that Jesus Christ's church failed and had to be restored. Yeah, yeah. of course, that's yeah. another discussion, but that that's certainly right. is yes. is that's the basis of Mormonism. Right. Right. That's right. Okay. So when when do you have the meeting, and where can our viewers go? Who can they contact to find out about going to your support group? Well, they can call the church and uh, at. Uh, Three, uh, at 801-374-8489, or they can contact us by email at way61 at hotmail.com. Yeah. Okay. okay, and it's the third Tuesday of every month. Third that you Tuesday have, of every month, That correct, you have the meeting. Correct, yeah. And you had a verse in Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 18 through 21, you wanted to share with our viewers why you I, have the, you the group. It's on the screen mm -hmm. there. Yeah, uh, they, they're, yeah, they're put it up on the screen. Uh, we don't warn Here, the people. Right there. <laughs> okay. When I say to the wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin, but you will save yourself. So we're supposed to preach the gospel. We're supposed, we're supposed to, to, tell. to tell people. We're supposed to tell yeah. the truth. Yeah, right. It's, it's our responsibility. Truth. Exactly. We've got the truth and Every it's our responsibility, responsibility to tell it. Absolutely, yes. 
Okay, um, so if anybody has any questions about the support group, then they can call uh, the First Baptist Church in Provo right. and get a hold of Lewis or someone there, and they can give you the information. Right. A few years ago, there was a fictional novel that came out. It was called The Da Vinci Code uh, by Dan Brown, and it seemed to confirm to a lot of people in the Mormon faith that, that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene and that they had at least one child. And it seems that many of the readers of that book uh, forgot to remember that the Da Vinci Code was not a historical novel, but that it was indeed categorized as fiction and uh, what not accurate, accurate history. But they claim that much of what was said in that book is true and that maybe Jesus was married and had a family. Recently, there's been some confusion over another ancient papyrus fragment that has been discovered. And you have a quote from the WND report of September 12th of this uh, year says, that you'd like to share with our readers. It says uh, confusion readers. and even excitement because of some four-century faded papyrus fragment only one and a half inches by three inches likened to the size of a business card or small cell phone has been found suggesting that Jesus of Nazareth was actually married. This fragment was brought to light a couple of weeks ago by Harvard Divinity School professor Karen King, who also says the papyra fragment, even if it's determined to be authentic, does not provide evidence Jesus was married, but merely that hundreds of years after Jesus' death and resurrection, some believe that he had a wife. The Bible never hints that Jesus was married. Wolf Peter Funk, a Coptic linguist, among others, doubts the authenticity of this fragment, calling this form suspicious. There's no way to evaluate the significance of the fragment because it has no context. There are thousands of scraps of papyrus where you find crazy things, Funk said. It can say anything, he said. Part of, a part of the mystery of the fragment is no one seems to know its origin or history of earth. Has been so immediately to detect a discrepancy, 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 contradiction between Mormon doctor. Whoops, I've got the wrong one. I'm sorry. All right, <laughs> there we go. Okay, it's been plus the owner has asked to remain anonymous. This is now being labeled by experts as fraudulent. Copied from the WN report uh, in September. 19th, 2012. Sorry about mm -hmm. that. So that's recent. Yeah. And so the professionals don't accept this as being an authentic docu document, but people seem so eager to believe any fantastic story, but they're not eager to believe the truth. It, it kind of makes you wonder yeah, about like that. One little scrap of papyrus yeah. or something like that, and then they won't take the Bible, all the evidence it has for all the yeah. manuscript evidence we have for the Bible, they'll just ignore it, but mm -hmm. they'll hang on to this, this one, one little, little thing scrap. like that and try to make some theology out of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, but Jesus didn't come to get married. Uh, in fact, in John one twenty nine, John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that was his purpose for coming. It wasn't uh, to get married and to have a family. But the early Mormons taught that he was married and that he was even a polygamist. So let's first look at the early Mormon prophets and their teachings, and that includes the Mormon t early Mormon teaching that Mormons can become gods and that polygamy is essential for obtaining godhood. So that Jesus Christ lived polygamy and was crucified because of polygamy. So you've got a quote from Brigham Young that you want to read uh, first. Brigham Young taught that those 
who become gods are those who practice polygamy. The only men who become gods, even sons of gods, are those who enter into polygamy. I heard the revelation on polygamy and believe it with all my heart. And I know it's from God. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, page 269, August 19, 1866. So Brigham Young taught that you could become gods and the criteria was to be a polygamist. But the Bible says in Isaiah 43:10, and I quote, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. I am he before me. No god was formed, nor will there be one after me. So we immediately can detect a discrepancy in what Brigham Young said exactly. and what the Bible teaches and what that there were no gods before God. There mm -hmm. are no gods before him and no gods after him. And you have a quote in Isaiah 44. Yeah, Isaiah 44, 24. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb, I am the Lord who has made all things who alone stretched out in the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. So by he himself. so he spread out the heavens, he's the creator. He created all, by all himself. things. Time, all by energy, anything yeah. you want. He no created. other gods did it. No, no other gods helped he him. Did it. He did it by himself. He Absolutely. says he did it by himself. He's the only God in existence. And the first of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Yeah, there are none of, before yeah, him, right. there's none after him. So you can't live polygamy and become a god. No, no you can't. Way. God and Jesus by the Mormons, however, early Mormons, have been both labeled as polygamists by many of the early Mormons. And we are going to quote what some of them said. Orson Pratt, I think you're going to be reading what, something that he yeah. said. Orson Pratt said they are. The great Messiah who was the founder of the Christian religion was a polygamist. That's what he said. The Messiah chose to take upon himself a seed by marrying many honorable wives himself, showed to all future generations that he appropriated the plurality of wives under the Christian dispensation. LDS Apostle Orson Pratt, the seer, page 172. And he also said God the Father had a plurality of wives. The Son followed the example of his fathers and became the great bridegroom to whom the king's daughters and many honorable wives would be married. LDS Apostle Orson Pratt, the seer, page 172 again. So that's clear that he taught that Jesus was a polygamist. Absolutely. And now I've got a quote from Jedediah Grant, and he was agreeing with, with an ancient pagan philosopher about Jesus being a polygamist. And this is what he said. He said, quote, the grand reason of the burst of public sentiment in anathemas upon Christ and his disciples causing his crucifixion was evidently based on polygamy. A belief in the doctrine of a plurality of wives caused the persecution of Jesus and his followers. And this is in the Journal of Discourses. So, so Mr. Grant here is saying that Jesus and his followers were persecuted because of polygamy. But what does the Bible say about that? You've, okay, you've got a quote. Listen to what God has to say about that. <laughs> what right. did, what, what, why Jesus yeah, came. What, okay. <laughs> the scriptures teach us that Jesus was crucified because he said that he was a son of God, not because he was a polygamist. Right. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell all of us, tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. Yes, it is as you say. Jesus replied, and the high priest tore his clothes and said, He had spoken blasphemy. 
Why do we need more witnesses? Look, now you've heard the blasphemy. What, what do you think? He's worthy of death, they answered. Matthew 26, 63 through 63 through 66. So he was persecuted because he claimed to be God. He exactly. claimed to be God the Son. And in John chapter 8, verses 56 through 59, we read where, where Jesus said, uh, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you've seen Abraham. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. So those Jews knew through his statement that Jesus was claiming to be God. When, when he said that he, he was, the, before Abraham was born, he said, I am, he, the, the Jews knew their scriptures. And they knew that he was referring back to Exodus chapter 3 when Moses was talking to God in the burning bush. And this is what he said in Exodus 3 verses 14 through 15. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, this is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. So when Jesus said, I am, they knew he was claiming to be God. Absolutely. And that they, they tried to kill him because of that, not because of polygamy. Not. <laughs> and you've got some verses in John 10 as well. Okay. Jesus' claim to be God himself resulted in their attempts to kill him even before he was a, his appointment with the cross. John 10, 30 through 33, 30. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. Which, which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Now, Jesus was either God or he was a blaspheming sinner, worthy of judgment uh, for claiming to be God, or he was deluded thinking he was God. Well, they, they knew he claimed to be God. Yeah. And he did. He claimed to be claimed God. To be so, God. so he either was God. Right. Or he was a liar. Right. Or he was deluded. Right. I think C.S. Lewis said, you liar, lunatic, I can't remember the whole thing there. Right. Something uh, like that, yeah. yeah. There's no yeah. middle ground no, here. There's no middle ground. Jesus says that I am, that the great, said Jesus is the great I am, mm -hmm. who is God Almighty, and there is only one God. One God. One God. That's correct. Absolutely. And Jesus, and so they tried to stone him because he claimed to be God, right. not because of polygamy. I of polygamy and all. They, they also wanted to kill him, not because of polygamy, but because he refused to submit to their idea of what the Sabbath, right. keeping the Sabbath day right. was. And we're going to read that from Matthew chapter 12, verses 8 through 14, where he said, For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill him. 
So they wanted to kill Jesus because he didn't keep the Sabbath the way they thought he right, should, exactly. not because he practiced polygamy, no, which not. is what the what we've been reading right. that they said. Yeah. And, and of course, we find that problem in this culture too about the Absolutely. Sabbath. You know, but of course, the Sabbath day isn't Sunday. <laughs> no, the Sabbath day is no, Saturday, and Saturday, and, and yeah. uh, Jesus did many things on the Sabbath day, and exactly. they didn't like it. But yeah. Jesus is God, and He never sinned, yeah. so He did everything yeah. correct. Okay, what did Orson Hyde have to say about this idea? Oh, Orson Hyde also taught that Jesus was married. I said in my lecture on marriage that Jesus Christ was married to Cana of Galilee, that Mary, Martha, and others were his wives, and he beget children. LDS Apostle Orson Hyde, Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, page 210. And again, Hyde taught... If he was never married, his intimacy with Mary and Martha and the other Mary, also whom Jesus loved, must have been highly unbecoming and proper to say the least. LDS Apostle Orson Hyde, General Discourses, Volume 4, pages 259-260. Out of twisted mind for saying uh, That's very Jesus twisted. loved. You know, Mary and Martha. Sick. When he was, yeah. It, well, actually, it is. Yeah, they, what no. they do is they bring him down to their level right. of thinking. They have no idea what Jesus' love is, and I don't know. No, they don't understand no, it. No. Orson Hyde is concluding, of course, that the wedding in Cana in John chapter two, where Jesus went to the wedding, uh, they're assuming that that's his wedding. But what's interesting is that the Bible says in that chapter that Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Got invited what, to his what, own wedding? Yeah. I mean, how does that work? Has a groom uh, invited to his own wedding? I don't know So either. the Bible doesn't even hint no. that there's any such kind of a relationship like Orson Hyde said. And the next quote that I have is from Wilford Woodruff's journal where he recorded something that Joseph F. Smith said about it. And this is in Wilford Woodruff's Journal, Volume 8. He said, evening meeting, evidently it's minutes to the meeting, prayer by E. Stevenson. Joseph F. Smith spoke over an hour and 25 minutes. He spoke upon the marriage in Cana at Galilee. He thought Jesus was the bridegroom and Mary and Martha the brides. A plural wedding of Jesus Christ is what they say John chapter 2 wedding is. No. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's absolutely it, unbelievable. It certainly is. You've got a quote from George Q. Cannon. Yeah, George uh, Q. Cannon, Sol Solemn Assembly in the Salt Lake Temple, July 2nd. Meeting Notes, Utah Historical Society, page 376. There are those in this audience who are descendants of the Lord's 12 apostles. Mm. And I shall say it. Yes, descendants of the Savior himself. His seed is represented in the bodies of these men. Unbelievable. So he looks out there and sees all these people and he says, you are the seed of the Savior. Right. See, that's what the Kingston group taught us. Yeah. That, that's, that they were the seed of Jesus, that they were descendants of Jesus Christ. They touched on this when I was a youngster as a deacon yeah. in the LDS church. Yeah. I remember him talking about this polygamy idea that was Jesus there. And I didn't hear much about it after that. But it was back there, yeah. But Maybe they I, were, t when you were a deacon, yeah, they, no, were they were talking, talking about, about it in them. the Mormon yeah, church? Right. Of course, hmm. that tells how old I am. <laughs> well, they do change, don't they? Yes, in, they do. In what they're Absolutely. teaching. Absolutely, yeah. And, of course, the Millennial Star, which is an official, or was Absolutely. an official newspaper of the church, said, and we quote, we apprehend that even greater troubles than these may arise before mankind learn all the particulars of Christ's incarnation, how and by whom he was begotten, 
the character of the relationships formed by the act, the number of wives and children he had. So their official newspaper also right. claimed that Jesus was a polygamist exactly. and had families. Yeah. Absolute blasphemy. Right. So we can, we can take a look at what the, uh, we've presented many of the quotes of, of what early Mormon polygamists and right. teachers and prophets said right. uh, about Jesus as a polygamist. But through Moses, God commanded the king of Israel in Deuteronomy 17, 17, 17, 17 he said that the king must not take many wives or his heart would be led astray. Yeah. Now, Jesus was king of Israel. He was king of the Jews. He is also king of kings. Absolutely. And he always kept the law perfectly. Yeah. He never disobeyed God's commands. Yeah. He couldn't have taken many wives to himself. No, he couldn't. Or he would have sinned against God's right. word. He couldn't have been a polygamist. Right. He couldn't have been. Absolutely couldn't have been. Now, you have um, other scriptures that support the doctrine. You've got one in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Okay. And other scriptures do not support such doctrine. Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried as I am. This is Paul talking. Mm -hmm. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn in passion. 1 so, Corinthians 7, 8, 9. So we can't really say that Jesus burned with passion. No. That would be a, a most ridiculous statement. Absolutely. But what this is also teaching is it's okay not to be married. Oh. It's okay to be unmarried. Right. Which it's that relationship, that one-on relationship between you and Jesus Christ. Not uh -huh. whether you get married or not or anything else. That's right. right? Nothing. That has nothing. Nothing Jesus to do. Jesus plus nothing. That's what it means. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Jesus plus nothing. Right. And didn't Brigham Young and Orson Pratt both teach that Mary had two husbands? Yeah. Did, um, Brigham Young said in Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, Mary, the wife of Joseph, had another husband. So okay. he's accusing sure Mary. Right okay. Yeah, no, he's got to get the right page. Here. Sorry. <laughs> okay. He's, All right. he's accusing Mary of of living okay. the polygamy All right. himself. All right. Yeah. And and Orson Pratt, what did he have to say? Okay. Okay. Brigham Young taught that Jesus' mother Mary was so, a polygamist. Yeah, we the al we already did that one. So okay. go to the Orson Pratt one. Okay. You want me to do Orson Pratt? Uh huh. Okay. Orson Pratt also believed she was. The fleshly body of Jesus required a mother as well as a father. Therefore, the father and mother of Jesus, according to the flesh, must have been associated together in a capacity of husband and wife. Hence, the Virgin Mary must have been, for the time being, the lawful wife of God the Father. He had a lawful right, right to overshadow the Virgin Mary in the capacity of a husband and beget a son. Although she was espoused for another, for which the law he gave to govern men and women was not intended to govern himself or to prescribe rules for his own conduct. So we see again that Orson Pratt is using foolishness right. in, in, in trying to call it wisdom. Now I hear people a lot of the time will contact me and say, well, Orson Pratt wasn't a prophet. Orson oh, Pratt wasn't. But guess what? He, Joseph Smith called him to be a prophet and to prophesy. In fact, in Doctrine and Covenants 34.10, we can read where exactly that it happens. Okay, yeah. D&C 34.10, Wherefore, lift up your voice and spare not, for the Lord God has spoken, therefore prophecy. 
and it should be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now that was written to Orson Pratt. That Anybody can can open Pratt. Doctrine and Covenants right. chapter thirty-four. The right there, right mm -hmm. there. To Orson the, Pratt. So he was called to prophesy. And the Journal of Court Discourses, chapter seventeen, pages two ninety and ninety-one. Orson Pratt himself said God called him to prophesy. Exactly. So we have to listen to those. If if you're of the Mormon faith, these things are something that you must listen to if you're going to be a believer in the true faith. Now. Um, we need to, uh, we're coming to the half, uh, the show, half hour of the show where we open up the telephone lines and we want to invite our viewers to call in and to, um, maybe you've got some questions or some comments or some rebuttals to some of the, what we've been talking about tonight. Uh, you're welcome to call in and do so. Our number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Give us a call. Let us hear from you. And we would like our polygamous viewers to weigh in on the topic tonight as well. You know, the Kingstons claim they were from uh, the line of Christ. And I know some of the other polygamy groups also claim that. Maybe if you're from a polygamy polygamy group, you can call in and tell us what you were taught in regards to this. You don't have to tell us your name. You could call alias. Just tell us which group you're from and what they taught you about that. And while we're waiting for the phone calls to come in, you can watch our message that we're going to show now about our ministry. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And with our guest, Lewis Wilkins from the First Baptist Church in Provo, Utah, 
we have been discussing the early Mormon teaching that Jesus Christ was a polygamist. We uh, offered several quotes from some of the early Mormon prophets and teachers of that time. And for those who would who feel like that maybe they would like to call in or email us complaining that the LDS Church doesn't teach this today, they need to realize a couple of things uh, before you contact us. Uh, someone recently said that uh, they will often say it doesn't matter if it's true. What matters is is it official. Well. This is true. We've read you all the quotes. And the polygamist of today, which is what this show is first uh, uh, interested in, is what the polygamists deal with and what they believe and teach. And they do believe and teach this heresy. And our show is primarily focused towards them, of course, what they do and don't believe, and which almost always is doctrine handed down by the early Mormons when it first began with Joseph Smith. And it was taught by the Mormon leaders. And there is no known record anywhere that indicates that any subsequent LDS prophet or apostle or president has ever renounced or denied Orson Hydes and Brigham Youngs and Jedediah Grants and Orson Pratts and Joseph with F. Smith and all of the others, they've never renounced it or denied that Jesus and God are polygamists. If it hasn't been renounced, then it's still valid. It's still on the history books. It still is taught or still is in your, your, um, your writings. And it was taught by the Mormon prophets and the seers. And so your church does believe it. Now, whether you personally believe it or not isn't even the point. What is the point is if your church taught it and the polygamists do believe it. So that's the way it is. Okay, let's hear from our viewer. We've got a couple of phone calls here. Right. Line one is Tony calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Tony. Tony. Hello. Hello, Tony. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. What's your question? Uh, yeah, thank you. I just got a quick question. How old was Mary when she was married to Joseph? And how old was Joseph? There is nothing in the Bible that tells us their ages. We don't okay. know. We don't know. Because um, I understand that she sounds like, a, and, the, and the Bible sounds that she was really young and Joseph was elderly, isn't it? The Bible doesn't say their ages. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Positive. The Bible does not say how old Mary was, doesn't say how old Joseph was. So it doesn't do any good to speculate. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just asking you a question. Yeah, That's no, fine. No, no, no. There's no age mention in the Bible at all. That, and, and, well, you know, it just doesn't do any good to speculate if it doesn't tell us. Oh, okay. That's my only question. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Aha. Thanks for calling. Bye. Uh, James is calling from Green River, Wyoming. Hello, James. Hello. How are you doing this evening, Doris? Good. Good. Very good. Thank you. You're on the air. Do you have a question? Yeah, I was I was calling in question. Um, you mentioned a biblical reference in Deuteronomy. Uh huh. I think it was seventeen verse one. Seventeen seventeen. Oh, seventeen seventeen. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Mm -hmm. And would do you mind reading that again? I mean, it it, I think it in, says that the king of Israel must not take many wives. He must not multiply wives unto himself. It, it, and the verse says many. It says he must not multiply wives unto himself. In, oh, I thought in, on the screen it said many in, wives. Well, that was the, the King James Version says he must not multiply wives unto himself. And the word is many, of course. Oh, okay. So 
The word multiplied just comes from where? King James Version. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. I was curious about that. I mean, I was wondering who would determine what many or multiple means if, you know. Well, any, <clears throat> excuse me. I know that there have been many polygamists who will take this verse and they will tweak it to fit themselves when they say, well, you, it also tells the king not to, to multiply horses. And if a, if a man has 10 horses, it's, a, it's, it's okay. So he, it's okay to have 10 wives because it's the same word. Well, no, it's not because in the Garden of Eden, God uh, brought monogamy into the human race with Adam and Eve. He didn't have... Adam and Eve and Stephanie and Jennifer and, and, and Jane, right? So he, he had a standard and it was monogamy. So anything above monogamy is many. Ah, I see. Okay. Now, do you guys ever watch your show back to yourselves? Like after you tape something, do you ever look at yourselves? And, Why? You know? Why do you ask? Well, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm a Christian, I believe, a devout Christian, and I, I would rather think instead of trying to put anybody else down or in any belief, rather than do that, it would be better to put all your effort in in encouraging. Didn't uh, do you know what Jude? Uh, do you know what Jude uh, verse three says? No, I don't. If you're a devout Christian, you should know what it says. Right. It says you that we are to contend for the faith once for all given to the saints. We have been commanded to contend for the faith and to let people know the truth that God taught. So that's the Old Testament scriptures? That, that is Jude. That's Jude. New Testament. It's the book just before Revelation. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we are called to contend for it the faith. It looks pretty ridiculous when you have oh. people up there like just bashing. What did we bash, sir? Would you tell us what we bashed? People's beliefs. No, we were we were quoting um, Mormon history where they were teaching heresy about our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So we're contending for the faith. Oh, you're contending for the faith. Contending by for the truth. Uh huh. Okay. Well. That's a Christ-like behavior. Yeah. Read Matthew 23. We could get worse and still be better than, than the way uh, Jesus called some of those names. Because we don't call any names, and he did. Oh, okay. Yeah, he called it like it was, sir. Okay. Okay? Read Matthew 23 and Jude 3. All Thank right. you. We have another call. <laughs> oh, Jesus went after them Pharisees full force. Called them hypocrites. White, hypocrites, whitewashed replicas. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Joseph Smith started this whole thing. He's the one that said that the Christians were abominable, you know, it even names Baptists, mm -hmm. Presbyterians and Methodists. He mm -hmm. calls them by name. Mm -hmm. That's right, that he did. They were abomination, you know. We're just defending ourselves, and we're saying that the gospel of Jesus Christ never failed. Mm -hmm. It's here today, and it's always has been. Jesus Christ is King and Lord. That's right. right. And he's not Satan's brother. Right, he's not Satan's brother. Okay, Absolutely. line three, we have Brian in Bountiful. Hello, Brian. Hi. Um, I just had a comment that it was about Adam and Eve, and you already talked about that. If they had polygamy, God would have had it from the start, and he didn't have polygamy from the start. That's right. That's right. He, he ordained monogamy with Adam and Eve, one wife. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for calling. 
and you know another thing uh, on this um, polygamy thing, um, when we've talked about it before on the show, uh, if God ordained polygamy, he would have uh, created man and woman so that when they procreated, they would have give birth to more females than males. Right. And even if he just did it with the polygamy groups, wouldn't the women in the polygamy groups have more female babies uh, right. to, to, right. to supply right. the demand? But he doesn't. Yeah. It's still 50-50. It's still 50-50, yeah. Yeah. More men was here in Utah at the time. That's right. Exactly. There was always more men. Always yeah. more men. That's right. Uh, we have a verse about um, the early belief of man becoming gods in Jeremiah uh, 10. Verses 10 and 11. It's a wonderful verse that you wanted to share. Okay, Jeremiah 10 through 11. 10 and 11, yeah. But the Lord is the true God. He is a living God, the eternal King. When he's angry, the earth trembles. The nations cannot endure his wrath. Tell them this. These gods who did not make the heavens and earth will perish from the earth from under the heavens. They're going to be gone. Oh, so the only God, there's only one creator God, right. which we talked about earlier. Yeah. They can make up all these gods that they want to. Yeah. But they're not real. No, if they if not. they didn't create the heavens and the earth, that's what this verse says, right. then they're exactly. going to perish. They're going to perish. They're going to perish from the earth and from under exactly. heaven. They will, they will be. Uh, so if you're not the creator, you want to become a God, and you're not mm -hmm. the creator of the heavens, all of the heavens, then you need to be careful because God says you'll perish, of course, unless you repent. Um, so uh, our telephone lines are open. It looks like the lines are full, but we don't have any, whoops, we don't have any calls coming in yet. Now, um, we, have, we have a lot of stuff we wanted to share tonight. Right. Obviously, we're not going to be able to, to do it all. Uh, but Doctrine and Covenants, Section 132, there's a call we need to take right now. Uh, but you might want to pick that up and read it sometime if you haven't read it through recently. Because it does teach that you can become gods. The Bible teaches you can't. It is about polygamy. Um, it's not about temple marriage. It's about polygamy. And you might want to pick that up and check it out. We have Kathleen calling from Orem. Check it out. Hello, Orem. Or, Kathleen. Hello, Kathleen. Hello. Um, I uh, I don't understand when you say there, there has never been plural marriage in ancient times. What about Abraham? We didn't. And I, his did, wife? I and didn't. I didn't. What about Jacob? Kathleen. And the Twelve tribes of Israel. Kathleen, I didn't. There's, Kathleen, I didn't say that there wasn't a polygamy in ancient times. I said I went back to the beginning of the Garden of Eden, which was Adam and Eve. That's what I said. I didn't say there wasn't polygamy in ancient you times. You said there's never been polygamy. No, I did no, not from, say that. From the beginning yeah. of time. I did not say that, ma'am. I said that only Adam and Eve, when God instigated marriage, he instigated monogamy, not polygamy, and that's the truth. Yes, we wouldn't have the twelve tribes of Israel if we didn't have Jacob and his wives and his maidservants. Don't you think? We wouldn't that even have the twelve tribes of Israel. Kathleen, don't you think that God had, could have created children from Jacob without polygamy, especially when polygamy wasn't His will? God can it says, do it. But it says in the in the scriptures it even names their names. Sure, it does. Well, he did. It happened. The Bible tells it like it happened. That doesn't make it right. It, it wasn't right for Jacob to take no. those wives. In fact, Jacob lived a miserable life. And so did the wives and kids, if you want to read Did the story. Did you know that there was polygamy in the time of Jesus? 
or not polygamy, but plural marriage in the time of Jesus? Polygamy and plural marriage is the same thing. Kathleen, it doesn't matter. That isn't the point. Joseph Smith came out and he said, live polygamy or be damned. Brigham Young came out and said, live polygamy or be damned. And, and the polygamy groups of today do that same thing. Whether there was polygamy in Jesus' time has nothing to do with anything. Would well, you like to say anything about okay. that? Just polygamy is I abomination, you know. You don't. Uh, I am LDS, and well, I believe in the prophet of the church. Okay, the they, church, so. there was a lot Thank of very much. there was a lot of things they did back there: murder, yeah. whole, you know, all kinds murder, of things, rape and pillage. adultery, whatever yeah. you want. And and it. this caller, Kathleen, is uh, she just said she was LDS. Yeah. The Book of Mormon condemns polygamy. Well, I'd say it does. Yeah. So she needs to read. Yeah, her read your Book, Book of, Mormon. of Mormon. My goodness, if you're gonna talk, it's your scripture, your stuff, not ours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have Mike calling from Enterprise. Hello, Mike. Hello, Mike. Mike. Hello. You're on the air. Turn your sound down on your television, please. Hold on, let me turn it down. There we go. Okay, okay Doris, you you were mentioning about the Kingston group saying that 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 their lineage comes through Jesus. Yes. I I don't understand that because Jesus actually came through the seed of Cain. What? Rahab. Rahab was King David's great great grandmother. If you read it in the Bible. But so how could Joseph Smith give them? The, the the priesthood, if if they came if if their seed comes through the seed of Cain, Jesus is through the seed of Cain Jesus, through a woman called Rahab. Jesus she was a not, Canaanite. Jesus that did was, not. That that was that was. Uh, <laughs> okay, Mike. Yes, Mike. Jesus did not come through the seed of Cain. He came through Seth. Go to Genesis chapter 5 and read the genealogy. He came through the line of Seth. The line of Cain was destroyed in the flood, totally destroyed, gone in the flood. Okay, let me, let me just say this. Rahab. Rahab was after the flood. The seed of Cain was destroyed in the flood. Okay. Rahab was a Canaanite. I'm just, I'm just saying Might. that the, the Rahab. Rahab, the Canaanites were, were Caucasian. The Canaanites. the Canaanites were Caucasian. Okay? okay, but that doesn't matter anyway. It, that that ha, that has nothing to do with it. Rahab, by the way, was uh, I think she was. Um, well, I won't. I'm not sure. But I, I better not say this without being absolutely positive. She came from but, Jericho, and I she know was that. a Canaanite. Yeah, right, but that's not even the point anyway. That has nothing to do with it. I understand. I understand. But remember that Cain, Cain, the line of Cain, was destroyed in Noah's destroyed flood. Destroyed during the flood. Right. But, but Joseph Smith taught that, that the seed of Cain came through Ham, through, through Noah's son. Right. And, right. And, 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 it, and it kept coming on. And, and the seed of Cain isn't even black people. I That's mean, they right. Don't even, That's right. That, that's baloney. That's right. right. Absolutely right. Joseph Smith made that up. He jo did. Well, it's like the Book of Mormon. That's all a myth. It's called Joseph's myth. There. That's true. That's true. <laughs> anyway, have a good night, Doris. Thank you. The Book God of God bless you. You too. Um, the the um, <laughs> the Book of Mormon has already been proven to be a fraudulent document. Oh, it's, it's not speculation. It's proven right, to be right. absolutely a fraudulent document. Okay, we have uh, David calling from Ogden and line one. 
Okay, David. Uh, hi, Doris, um, and your guest there. I have two comments I wanted to make, um, and then I'll let you guys talk about it uh, afterwards. Well, first off, I know I'm, I'm Christian and, and not coming from a LDS background, but having a lot of LDS friends and not from the state originally, um, I'm not, but I live in Utah, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it's kind of like a catch-22 with their articles of faith, where they, you know, as long as the Bible is translated correctly, so if something is, is not harmonious with their teachings, then they always fall back majority speaking on, oh, well, that's because it wasn't translated correctly. That's, that's correct. the first thing I wanted to say. And then I'm going to play the devil's advocate just a little bit, but I am a Christian. But I do want to let it be known that this is not fiction. This is fact, um, in historical, from secular historians, that there were other um, Krishna, Mithra, there were other... Um, people that were so supposedly born of, long before Jesus, born of virgins, died on the cross, Krishna, died on the cross for the sins of men, uh, born, um, three wise, or three wise men came to see him. So I do want to let you know that, I mean, that was pre-Christian. I mean, I mean, there were writings, those were pre-Christian writings. I'm not saying that Jesus didn't do that, I'm just saying that people need to take into account this virgin birth or this dying on the cross and resurrection was not, that was not anything that was original out of Christianity. 500 years before the Greeks spoke about it, the Persians, when it came to Mithra. I just want to say that, and, um, but I do believe in, I believe it personally, not about the, the others. I just happen to know that Christ, I can feel it inside me. I know when I'm supposed to go in a burning bosom. But I believe in Christ myself. Okay. I want to say that. But as far Thank as you. winning, uh, just to sum it up, as far as the, the arguments, if you just plant one seed, though, Doris, is what you do. If you just plant one seed to those, that one person that says, well, maybe it's not uh, right, the Bible. I mean, right, the Bible is right, and, and the Book of Mormon isn't harmonious. Maybe we've been told, well, if it's just one or two people you reach, and then they reach one or two people. It's like a domino effect. That's right. That's just, what we're hoping and you know, praying for. That going on. Mm-hmm. And, Thank um, you. Because they're always going to say, you know, as long as it's translated correctly. Mm-hmm. That's right. Thank <laughs> so, you, David. You guys have a great Appreciate- night, though. Thank you very much. Enjoy- and, you know, I just wanted to mention, we are getting to the two-minute mark, so I just wanted to mention that um, the Articles of Faith, the polygamists also believe in the Articles of Faith. So, and they do believe the Bible is true only as far as it's translated correctly, but they get to be the editor. Thank you for coming, Lewis. Well, thank you. Uh, been a privilege. We didn't get through all the information, but we got through a lot of it. Glory be to God. That's (laughs) all I say. You know, Jesus was the king of the Jews, and in Deuteronomy 17, 17, God commanded the kings of Israel not to take many wives, and Jesus is also king of kings like we talked about. Now, Jesus kept the law perfectly. In his whole life, he never sinned. If he had sinned, if he had disobeyed God's commands, he could not have been our Savior. If Jesus disobeyed Deuteronomy 17, 17, it would mean that he was in rebellion against God's word, and his death on 
on the cross for our sins was totally in vain, which means that none of us are or can ever be saved. If Jesus was a polygamist, all hope is lost. But Jesus was resurrected three days after he was buried. He came out of the grave alive. He defeated death because he personally never sinned. If Jesus had disobeyed and taken many wives, then he couldn't have been resurrected. He couldn't have defeated sin and death, and he couldn't save anyone because he himself would have needed a Savior to forgive and cleanse him from disobedience of God's command. If Jesus wasn't perfect in every single way, then we don't have a Savior, and there would be no forgiveness, and Jesus wouldn't be coming back again. But thanks be to God, Jesus never even considered polygamy or any other disobedience to God. He is our Savior. He'll save us who have sinned. And because He never sinned, He can save us. But He cannot save anyone who tries to save themselves by celestial marriage or any good deeds or by any other way to have anyone trying to help Him save them. He already did it all in His perfect life and in His resurrection. So trust Jesus alone. Thanks for watching and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.